Great. We're, we're in Galatians um, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. It's on page 1171. If you've got a church Bible, the words will be on the screen as well. But let's hear God's word. Let's hear and pay attention to what God has to say to us this afternoon. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who's throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Wow. It's pretty strong. <laughs> well, that's what we're going to um, look at this afternoon. And we're going to um, try and understand what's going on in that section. Before we do, though... We're going to remind ourselves of the whole of Galatians. Now, what I've done this week is just to avoid this becoming too long. Um, I've made a little animation of our picture that we've got that moves automatically, which means I can only take one minute and 30 seconds to summarize Galatians so far, because this means I have to move because the image will move. So uh, why don't we um, get that on the screen? And uh, right, here we go. It started. Um, so this is the whole book of Galatians, right? The book of Galatians is all about one gospel. It's all about the gospel of Jesus, the one who rescues us from this present evil age. It's the beautiful gospel. But the trouble is that the Galatians are turning to another gospel, which is not a gospel. In fact, it's no gospel at all. Because the gospel that Paul preaches is the one that came from Jesus Christ. It was revealed to him, not of human origin, but came straight from Jesus that's why you can trust it. But the problem was that Peter, even Peter, the apostle, was turning from the one gospel, moving to the no gospel, and was stopping eating with the Gentiles. He began to believe that righteousness or blessing was given not by faith in Christ, but by keeping the law. But Paul says that no, Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse and to give us the blessing. And that is why the promises made to Abraham all the way back were actually about Christ. That's the story. But the trouble is the people are made about Abraham and Moses, the law. And so they've forgotten Jesus and put Moses in instead. And so now they've 
become slaves. You were slaves, whether you were slaves under the law or slaves under the elemental spiritual forces. Then Christ set you free and he made you children of God. But the trouble is that now you're in danger of turning back to slavery. (laughs) Ha, ahead of you. That was the big problem in Galatians. And then last week, we saw this family tree that Abraham had two sons, and these two sons represented these two storylines, one of grace and one of law, one which leads to blessing, one which leads to curse, one which leads to the new Jerusalem, and one which held you in slavery under the old. That's where we got to. So we're going to pick it up in chapter 5, verse 1. That was exciting. And chapter 5, verse 1, you know, when, when we just sort of decide we're going to preach um, a book of the Bible, there are some verses you think, I can't wait to get to that verse, right? I mean, chapter 5, verse 1, what's not to love about chapter 5, verse 1? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. What a statement that is. Stick that on a poster Put it on your wall. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And what we're going to see now as Paul moves into the last section of his book of Galatians is he's going to explain to us what freedom really looks like. What does it mean to be free? You see, we all sort of care about freedom. We all want to be free. But what do we mean by freedom? What even is freedom? And we're just going to work through these verses. I've got four headings. We're going to go through these verses, and we're going to see what Paul is saying, and we're going to try and apply it as we go. We're going to try and see this freedom, but we're not just going to try and see it. I long that actually God would stir within you a desire for it. Because one of the reasons that Paul finishes with that unbelievably strong statement at the end of this section is because he is watching a church walking away from Christ to slavery. He's watching a church walk away from freedom into disaster. And he's deeply angered and grieving about this church. It really matters. So here's what we're going to see. We're going to see four things. Firstly, we're going to see the nature of freedom. Can we have the first thing up? Uh, the, sorry, no, no sorry, go, sorry, go back one. The goal of freedom. We're going to see the goal of freedom. What is the point of freedom? What is freedom for? Right, here's the deal. Most of us think that freedom is the goal in itself. I've been reading something um, in recent weeks, a brilliant book called Biblical Critical Theory by a guy called Christopher Watkin. It's a very big book, but it's very good. And one of the things he's really helped me to see and to think through is this issue of freedom. You see, the the question that we think, the automatic question we think of when we hear the idea of freedom is, well, freedom from what? So if I say to you, um, oh, this week I was set free. Some firemen came and they set me free. Right, you want to know more than that, don't you? It'd be very difficult to have that conversation. You go, oh, really? That's interesting. You'd be like, hang on, hang on. Set free from what? Oh, well, I got trapped in a filing cabinet, and I couldn't get out. So they had to call the fire, and, and they, they, the fire brigade broke it open. They set me free. 
You go, well, that's terrific, because being stuck in a filing cabinet is not fun, right? That's not where you want to be. That's not an idea. That's not optimal life. So here I am. I don't want to be in a filing cabinet. I want to be free. I don't know why I chose a filing cabinet. But I want to be free. And the goal is freedom. And so the key question we keep asking is freedom for Freedom from what? From what? The Bible asks a much more profound question than that. The Bible is not so interested in freedom from what, but freedom for what? What have you been set free for? And the reason this matters is because if you don't know what you've been set free for, what you will end up doing is exchanging one slavery for another. Let me show you what I mean. So imagine that you think, right, that our working definition of freedom, which I I think would sort of be the general idea in our world, that to be free is to be free from all restrictions. For there to be no restrictions on me, to be able to do whatever I want, no constraints. Now, all of us in this room uh, face some constraints. My guess is that most of us in this room face financial constraints, right? You're not free to do whatever you want because you haven't got enough money. My guess is that nearly everybody in this room, there's things you'd love to do if you had more money. So you're sort of restricted by your lack of finance. So if that is the restriction that you feel placed on you, what you do is you go, well, I just need more money. Money will set me free. So now you pursue money and you get more money and you get richer and get richer. And now you say, now I'm free. Now I'm free because now I can do whatever I want. But you can see the problem, right? All you've done is exchange one freedom, uh, slavery, for another. Because now you're enslaved by a desperate need for money. And now you're enslaved by an ever-increasing need to work harder and harder, to keep going and to keep earning. You just exchange one slavery for another. And whatever it is that you think restricts you, if the goal is freedom, then all you end up doing is jumping from one slavery to another. But what you have in Christ is something much, much bigger. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. What we're going to see this afternoon is that freedom is not about having no restrictions. Freedom is not about being able to do whatever you want. That isn't freedom. Freedom is something more beautiful and bigger than that. And freedom is about being set free for Christ. Being set free to find your place, to find your identity, to find your worth and your value in Christ. You see, the interesting thing is that whatever you think will set you free is what you value most. Because we all have this ache and longing to be free, therefore we value that which we think will make us free. So we live in a society that values money because we think money will set us free. 
Or if the restriction that you feel that you're under is kind of traditional values and and, and old-fashioned ways of thinking, you think freedom is about being able to be whatever you want to be or do whatever you want to do or whatever it is. And therefore, you value self-expression and and that self-identity. That's the most important thing because that's what sets you free. You value what you think sets you free. Or perhaps in church. Is it possible that we value things in church other than Christ? A particular gift. If I just had that gift... Oh, then I'd be able to be free. Then I'd be important. Then I'd have value. And what Paul is writing to them is he's saying, no, Christ is only Christ. Christ is the only one who has value because Christ alone, only Christ can set you free. Well, let's keep pushing through this. We're going to keep going. We'll keep building this. If you're not quite following it, don't worry. I hope it will get clearer as we go. Because the second thing I want you to see is the paradox of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Oh, sorry, they're all in the wrong order. I do apologize. It's all entirely my fault, all right? We're doing the paradox. We'll go back to the nature. The paradox of freedom is that often we find our hearts yearning for slavery. It's like if you've ever, you know, found like a little animal, a squirrel, that's got a damaged knee and it can't run, and you look after it, you take it into your home and you feed it, and you bottle feed it things, and you keep it, and, you, and it becomes this, and, and it lives in a tiny little cage, but you keep it, and then one day you think, I'm going to set you free, squirrel, and you open the little thing, and And often they don't want to go. It prefers the cage. It's got used to the cage. That's the paradox of freedom. We sort of yearn for freedom, but actually freedom isn't that freeing. It sort of is weird. Okay, let me try this. Have you ever, this was an experience I had that I thought brought this home to me. We went to a restaurant once. It was called More. It was in Sheffield, Leicester. And uh, you'll, you may well have been to a restaurant like this. Basically, you could have whatever you wanted. Anything. There was every sort of food that you could conceivably think of. Indian, Italian, Chinese, roast dinner, pizza, you know, southern fried chicken stuff. All of it. We've been to these places? Some of you? Well, I'll carry on. And um, as I walked in, I just felt free. This is freedom. There is no constraint. There is no holding back. All in. But the weird thing was, I didn't really enjoy it. Because I looked at my plate. And I had like a bit of roast chicken and stuffing and then some biryani, and a bit of ham and pineapple pizza. 
because I didn't know what to do with my freedom. It could, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And then we went to an Indian restaurant. And in the Indian restaurant, there was a very small menu. They said, you can have this, and if you have this, then you get this, and you get this. I said, I'll have that. They said, they, it was amazing. They curated my meal perfectly. There was the right amount of rice to curry to naan. It was perfect. And I enjoyed it. But if you'd asked me, I would have chosen to go to more. Because it sounded better. And here's the paradox of freedom, right? You can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. This is why we have a crisis in our culture. Do you not understand this? If you tell a generation you can be anything you want, you can be whoever you want, you can do whatever you want, they stand like I did in more and say, I, I don't know. I don't know what I am. I don't know who I am. I don't know how I'm supposed to live. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And freedom sounds so attractive, but it doesn't work. Because we were not created to be without limits or without rules. We sort of can't live without them, and so we long for them and we crave them. And so what happens in the book of Galatians is that they start going back. They go, actually, no, we'd like some more rules. This freedom thing sounds scary. Freedom freaked them out. So they went looking for rules. And they said, okay, well, why don't we just obey the law? That will give us a sense of value. That will help us to decide how we're supposed to live. And Paul says in verse um, 2, look at it with me. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. So here they are, perhaps these Christians, and they're thinking, well, we've been told that we're free, but it all feels a bit freaky. We don't know what we're supposed to do. How do we live this new grace? Ah, I need some rules. And then someone comes along and says, oh, you should get circumcised because that would really show your devotion to God. You go, oh, great. Yes, that's what I want. Weird, I know. But that's what I want. I want something that helps me to know who I am. And so they submit themselves to circumcision. Because they think it's great that we've got Christ, but I need this rule around me because it sort of gives me a sense of identity. But what Paul says is, if you pursue anything, if you go for anything to get your sense of identity and value, if you try to be defined by anything other than Christ, then Christ is of no value to you at all. You've been alienated from Christ. You can't have both. You can't belong to Christ. You can't be Jesus is one of Jesus' people and they say, oh, but I also want this. I also want to be defined by this thing. Paul says it again in verse 3. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, he is required to obey the whole law. He says, look, Fine, if you want to be identified that way, if you want to abandon Christ as your identity and instead find your identity in this law of circumcision, then you have to obey the whole law. If that is going to be your identity, you have to have it all. And then he says it again in verse 4. 
You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. Can you feel the pain? Christ gave you everything. My precious children, Christ gave you everything. He gave his life for you. He rescued you from this present evil age. He took the curse of sin on his shoulders. The burden of your sin was carried on his shoulders. He paid it all so that you could go free. And you would turn from him. You'd seek more than Christ. You think you need more? You can feel Paul's anguish. And yet I think as we've gone through the book of Galatians, we've seen this again and again. This is what we do. Because we're not really quite sure how to live in this freedom that Christ has won for us. What we do is we say, yeah, great, I've got Christ. But then we sort of have other things that we actually pin our identity on. Our performance as a Christian. How well people talk about us. Are we respected? Are we impressive? And suddenly we find ourselves turning from Christ back to law because it just feels comfortable. It just feels And Paul says, no, Christ, it's Christ. So the paradox of freedom is that we choose slavery. And some of us right here in this room will be in danger of walking away from Christ to something else. To say, no, this will give me, this, this thing will define me. Ah, I'm a bit confused about what it means to follow Christ, but this, I know what this is, I'm going to do this. But that is to leave Christ behind. Don't desert Christ. Don't turn your back on Christ. But here's the question then, right? So what is the freedom that Christ is? What does that mean? What do we do? It's nice that it's nice to be able to enjoy singing. <laughs> Our God is a great big God. He really is. What a great thing to be teaching kids. So what, what is this freedom then? How do we do this freedom? What, if, is it more, the, the, the restaurant? Do we just stand and go, well, do whatever you want then? No. Do we turn back to an old kind of system of rules? Where we go, okay, now I get it because I just have to keep these rules. No. Okay, so what is the nature of this freedom? This is what the rest of Galatians is going to show us. It's going to show us how you live in this freedom. And it is not, okay, two things from verse 5 and 6. Have a look. What we're going to see is that this freedom, if we live in this freedom, it will lead to a life of hope and a life of love. That's what we pursue in freedom. So look at verse 5. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. What a complicated sentence that is. 
So he's saying, look, everybody's going back to the law because it's sort of simple. We sort of get it. And we can go, okay, no, I've got something I can define myself by. But Paul says, don't do that because we're doing something over here, which is much better. By faith, by the Spirit, we're eagerly awaiting the righteousness for which we hope. What does he mean? What he means is that faith in Christ, this this freedom that we have in Christ is about a hope for the future. It's about a righteousness, a promise for the future, which is so stunningly beautiful. Right, look, one of the things that you, you need to know about the freedom our world pursues is that it is a freedom that is all based in the present. It's now. It's all about now. I want to be free now. Look, I tried to find a more modern up to that. I really did. I googled if Lizzo had written a song about freedom, but I couldn't find it. But Freddie Mercury did, and he said, I want to break free. George Michael wrote a song, Freedom, right? They wrote about it all the time when I was a kid. And they're still writing about it, it's just I can't find them. But the point is, we want to break free, and we want to be free now, and I want to do what I want now, and I want to achieve it now. And that is the problem, right? That's the problem with our culture. The freedom that it wants is now. But the trouble with that is that it just leads to slavery. It's so weird. But the freedom that Christ promises you is not everything now. The freedom that Christ promises you is that there is a day coming, a glorious day, a day of righteousness, a day when everything will be put right. A day when all of God's children will be welcomed home, when all of the burdens will be lifted, when all of God's children will be identified as God's and will be welcomed into his eternal kingdom. That's what you're set free for, to eagerly await that. And if we can understand that that is what we're waiting for, it really helps us when we don't feel very free now, right? When life is hard, when life's a struggle, when there are sacrifices to be made. You have a hope to come. It's very difficult to make sacrifices if you don't have a future. But when you know there's a future to come, you can make sacrifices now. I know this is a stupid illustration. I know that we've used it loads, but it's the best I can think of. If I want to win a gold medal in the Olympics, I have to curtail my freedom now, right? I don't have the freedom to eat what I want and get up when I want and sleep when I want. I don't have that freedom. I have to now work. I have to strive. I have to try. But is that freedom or not? As my alarm goes out up at six o'clock in the morning, I drag myself out of bed in order to go for a run along the river in the cold. Is that freedom or not? It all depends what you're waiting for, Right? Because actually standing on the podium with the gold medal around your neck is freedom. But that freedom doesn't come by doing whatever you want, whenever you want. You see, this freedom thing is more complex than we thought. And so it is in following Jesus. 
Following Jesus means living a life, not of doing whatever I want whenever I want, but doing whatever he wants whenever he wants, doing whatever he says, living for him, loving him, seeking him, desiring him. And you say, well, why on earth would you do that? Because he's promised me righteousness. He's promised me a future. And the Spirit of God stirs. And sometimes, don't you sometimes see Christians making unbelievable choices? Choosing lives that are so hard. They could have, you could have had such an easier life. Some of you are sitting in this room, right? Your life could have been so much easier if you weren't a Christian. You could have been so much more free. And yet you've chosen this freedom. Because this freedom is the freedom that promises a future. And so freedom in Christ means a freedom to hope. And it means a freedom to love. Look at verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Paul says, look, if you're in Christ, I don't care whether you be circumcised or not. I don't care what rules you keep. I don't care what impressive things you do. None of that matters. The only thing that matters is faith in Christ that loves. Huh. That's interesting. Because to love someone is to curtail your freedom. Let me guarantee you this. If you want to live a life of autonomous freedom, never, ever love anyone. Don't love them. Because as soon as you love someone, your freedom is gone. Because now you're bound to them. Because now you care about them. Because now they have the power to hurt you or the power to make you joyful. Now you will have to say no to what you want in order to serve them. That's freedom. That's freedom. So freedom, you parents here, right? Freedom is getting up at six in the morning, five in the morning, because your child is screaming and has been sick. And as you drag yourself out of bed, and as you clean the vomit off the cot, it doesn't feel like freedom, right? You don't go, I've been set free. This is freedom. Oh, yes. So why do you do it? You do it because you love. Love drives you to do the most extraordinary things. Love drives you to make the most extraordinary choices. So if in the book of Galatians you have heard at any point us teaching things that makes it sound like, well, you can do whatever you want. Now Paul's going to nail you. You say, yeah, you can do whatever you want if it's loving to others. If you love and when you think of Christ, the most free man who's ever lived, right? Christ, who had no restrictions on him at all. Christ, who was not under the slavery. He, Christ, who was free. 
He chose to love. He laid down his life for you. And so suddenly you begin to discover that freedom in Christ means living the most radical, sacrificial, remarkable life that you could ever, ever imagine. Where you will make decisions that no one else in this world would make. Because you love Christ and because you love his people. So when Paul says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free, that's not so we all go home and go, oh, set my alarm clock for an hour later. It's so you go home and set your alarm clock for an hour earlier so that you can get up and serve and love. For example, you don't have to set your alarm clock an hour earlier, but you get my point. And so the question that if I'm living out this freedom is I'm looking at my church family and then I'm looking at the world around me and say, what could I do that loves this world? What could I do that loves Christ and loves this world? How do I live my life in such a way that I pour myself out? In such a way, in fact, that this world might look and say, you're mad. In the Mark drama last night, it was beautiful. It really was amazing. In the Mark drama last night, one of the most moving scenes is at the Last Supper when Jesus is about to go to the cross and die and a woman comes in with a jar of expensive perfume and she pours it all over Jesus' head. This extravagant waste of perfume. And the disciples are going, why are you doing that? It's a waste of time. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Jesus says, it's beautiful. What she has done is beautiful. The world will look and say we're wasting our lives, but Jesus will look and say it's beautiful. I hope you can begin to see what what I mean. We're going to see much more of this in the coming weeks. Here's the fourth thing, last thing very quickly, and that is the battle for freedom. You will face a battle. There will always be a battle to cave in. This is verse 7 onwards. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? It's like Mario Kart, right? You know, Mario Kart. And when you're driving along in your Mario Kart, and it's all going very smoothly, and then someone cuts in on you, squirts oil on your screen, and throws a banana in your face. And they cut in on you, and they stop you from running free. Paul says, you were running free. But some people have come, they squirt oil in your face, and throw bananas at you. And he says it's insidious, right? Look, that kind of persuasion, it's not from Jesus. Jesus doesn't come to you and go, oh, you should be doing more. You should be working harder. Here's some rules. You should be keeping these rules. And it doesn't take much. Just a little bit of yeast and the whole thing begins to grow and grow. This burden, this thing that we feel where we feel rubbish and we feel burdened and we feel enslaved again. And Paul is so angry. He's so angry that people would preach like that. So verse 11, he says, Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Here's the offense of the cross. You've been set free. You've been set free. Free from all of the rules that people want to impose on you. Free to hope. Free to love. Free to lay down your life in radical service. 
much more than the law would ever create. And that's why Paul says, just get rid of them. I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. If they're going to circumcise themselves, I wish they'd just chop it completely off. I wish that they would stop reproducing. I wish that there would be no more of this law. Because it is robbing people of freedom. Don't cave in. Live this freedom. We're going to take some time to think. This is strong stuff. But it is beautiful. And next week we're going to see in nitty gritty detail what it looks like to walk this life of love. But for today, let's celebrate freedom. Let's celebrate a freedom that doesn't just set a massive banquet in front of us, go, oh, eat whatever you want. But it says, I love you. Come walk this way of hope and love. Come walk my way. Let's pray. Father, please help us. Father, we're sorry for this paradox where we sort of want freedom, freedom to do whatever we want and be whatever we want. We want that, but then we also want rules. Lord, forgive us for our confusion. Forgive us where we run away from you and we turn to other things. And Father, we pray this afternoon that you'd help us to see the freedom that Christ offers us is a freedom for him, a freedom with a goal, a freedom where we get to live our lives in beautiful hope and sacrificial love. Father, we pray that we would pursue that freedom, that we'd enjoy that freedom. Freedom from the need to impress one another. Freedom from the need to impress you. Freedom to live. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.